1: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking
0: requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the Sticks in the Sixth Podcast.
2: Here are your co-hosts, Andrew Forbes, Peter Barrachini and Alex Popton. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 151 of Sticks in the Six, brought to you by the fine folks at the IndL House, as well as the Hockey Podcast Network and DraftKings and boys. Uh, good run for the Leafs as of late. Obviously dropped last night to the uh, the last year's Stanley Cup champions, um, but it's it's been a good run for our, our boys in blue. Uh, we'll get into that all in a little bit here, but before we do... Alex, welcome back from your trip. Hope you enjoyed it. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, boys.
0: Uh, yeah, unfortunate I wasn't able to be here for the 150, episode 150, but I think I'm making up for it by being here for the first ever Sticks episode live from an apocalypse. We're all in the same <laughs> climate right now. I think that's that's something we all got in common. Everything's um,
1: going on right now.
0: Yeah, I, I actually, Peter, just like you were talking about how the power's been going out at your place and there's mm-hmm. just been all this wind and shit, and it it didn't really hit my area until like I, I shit, you know, maybe 10 minutes ago Yeah. because I'm laying in bed and in my bedroom, I've got this, you know, those little holes that I, I, I'm i going to sound really stupid and probably <laughs> not blue collar trying to describe this, but you know, the little holes they put in the wall for your, uh, for your wall hung air conditioner. And, then oh, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. and you take you, you take it out in the winter and it's all boarded up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't have a window in my bedroom, but I have one of those and I was laying in bed and like, I, I had my eyes shut. I was listening to a song or something and then I all of a sudden just felt mist on my face. Oh um, no. So I don't know. That might be an issue oh. I have to address in, in a little bit, but uh, yeah. And then I came out here and I looked outside and it, it it looks like I'm inside of a snow globe right now. So crazy things considering it was like 16 degrees this morning, but mm-hmm. um yeah, otherwise, boys, things have been good. Uh the trip was a lot of fun. Obviously got to uh time timed out perfectly because the Leafs had a bunch of Western games and I was able to stay up and go to bed at ten o'clock local time after after go. watching them. Um unfortunately the uh Westjet tried to screw us over in every possible direction on the way there and on the way back. And then on top of that, icing on the cake, my entire family got sick while we were away. But aside from oh, that, man, it's you know, I still everything, had a great everything. Yeah, on. I still had a great time away though. And you know, if you're gonna be sick somewhere, it might as well be at a ski resort when you don't have to work or anything. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, can't really complain too much. Total first world problem. But uh yeah, happy to be
2: back. Well, we're glad to have you back, Alex. Uh obviously we love your takes, buddy, but uh um yeah WestJet. Uh, it seems like every airline's got their own issues these days you no know, and i i don't want to slander WestJet too
0: much because i've i've my family's
2: flown with WestJet a decent
0: bit my dad flies a lot for work and he's uh, uh he's like a gold member or whatever so like we've genu- generally we've had some pretty good luck with them in the past but yeah this was like this was like an air canada experience this past yeah. week
2: <laughs> peter buddy how
0: you
1: doing this week man doing good yeah the wind is like literally kicking my area's ass right now where it's like i'm getting like power outage updates or whatever but it's not my area specifically so you know knock on wood that everything is okay at some point we'll just uh you'll you'll understand why you understand why yeah but yeah, yeah you know i'm seeing like trees bend awkwardly like the wind is just howling and like it's even like Pounding up against the, our windows, like I feel like one of them is going to like pop up at some point. So if you see like even like kind of like Alex, if you see flurries like start coming in my direction, you know why, you know why. But uh, yeah, so far so good, can't complain. Aside from that, boys, I went back and started watching The Office, just to, you know, get some nostalgia feel about how funny that was. And man, oh, he, he, he's hearing everything and watching everything right now with The Office. It's just like. It, it, it's just comedy gold it's like very genius right now and I, I just finished off the boost cruise right now so i'm on season two that was probably one of my favorite episodes and one of my favorite michael scott lines at the beginning where he's doing the whole like leader and ship um comparison or whatever and it's just like how like how, how did they come up with that like the writing like is just spot on Hey, boys,
0: by the way, just before we uh we move on to Andrew's past week, if you guys notice that it looks like I've got the actual sun in my room in the top right. You, you, see, that? you see that? That's your light. Oh, there. is that
1: the, the busted up lampshade right
0: there? Yeah. I still haven't gotten a shade for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I've, literally, I've literally got oh. the sun brightening up my room right now. Is, uh, boys, I tried to fix it after I destroyed it last week by accident. And it's just like, if you're watching right now, like this is beyond fixing.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: I, I don't know how I damaged it that badly. It's done. But, yeah. That is so, done. Yeah. I've got the uh, natural light, I guess, if you want to call it that. It looks like natural light. It's not, though.
2: So there you go. Yeah. For context. If anybody's looking for context, uh, go back a couple episodes and just watch the tale. What, the last. Fast forward to the end. It was literally,
0: it was literally the last thirty seconds of episode one forty nine. I was getting into the music playing out at the end.
2: I was doing some yep. fist pumping and I assaulted uh, my lamp. <laughs> oh god! All right, boys. So the last couple of weeks, I've had, uh, I've had a donkey of the week, and I'm going to give it to myself this week. So, I, I, I don't know if it's just like getting into my like late thirties now or what it is, but uh, I had, a, I had a nice little accident the other day where. Um, my daughter threw her fork on the ground, so I tried to get in there before the dog licked it to try and pick it up. Anyway, smoked my eye off of the corner of my kitchen bench. Oh, 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 no. Hopefully nobody's squeamish here, and this will make people come to the YouTube channel and check this out, but I'm going to show you a picture of what my eye looks like under the lid.
1: Oh, God. Oh.
0: Oh, i just noticed that we bumped God. up three viewers as you showed that yeah <laughs> I oh. imagine you open up
2: the stream, that's the first and thing we lost them <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're gone just like
2: that uh that's oh. amazing but yeah so that that was uh i oh, i don't know if it's just man. the depth perception i wasn't wearing my glasses maybe i should next time a little protective gear but maybe um, yeah that's my uh that's oh. my week in a nutshell boys um uh, I was so, about to say, it can't be any better than what Matt Rempe is going through right now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I was worried that I was going to look like him afterwards, but thank, thankfully, it's Eesh. just under the eyelid. So <laughs> Matt Rempe looks
0: like that after four heavyweight tilts. Forbes looks like that after <laughs> bending over in his kitchen
1: <laughs> uh, to pick up a fork to pick up a fork. Uh, no, but it, it, it's just where you got it too, like that, uh, like the corner of any table. That's just like you know, pain waiting to happen right there. Yeah, and there. Yeah. Uh, needless, well, needless to say, I didn't get the fork.
2: <laughs>
0: oh. is, is your, is your, eye bothering you at all right now? Or is it? So like, for the last two days
2: I had like blurry vision. I was like, that's it. I'm oh, going no. blind in one eye. And that's like, oh, God, <laughs> and then I was like, Oh, you know what? It's starting to come back today. So I should be good. It's just a, <laughs> it's just a temp- subtle bruise. Temporary, Temporary subtle eye bruise. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, eye, like,
1: eye contusion.
2: Yeah, an eye contusion, upper body injury. <laughs> um, anyways, hit a fishbowl if you're playing next time. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, there is some quick league news to get to before we jump into our Leafs. Uh, like I said, lots of Leafs talk to to go around this week. But uh, before we get into it, um the famous five uh, in the in the World Junior uh, debacle. I guess you want to you want to call it. It, um they have they have chosen to go with a uh, jury trial, so that's the latest update in that. We're not gonna get into that too much. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. Um I do want to bring up one other thing before we jump over to everything else. Is uh is did you guys see that clip of Nathan McKinnon calling out those kids on Fortnite? Oh yeah. I didn't watch it. That was like years ago, too.
1: Favorite. That was, was years it, ago. Was too, it years ago? I think so, and I think the guy was just holding it in the back pocket. From, like, I think it was like what Tumblr, if that's still around or even exists.
2: So, Rachel but, like, Dory actually tweeted it saying that, like, he's been there's been like videos that surfaced of him calling out people for homophobia on there as well. But, like, if you guys listen to it, just uh, oh, yeah, call Rachel, Rachel Dory retweeted. I don't know the original account that uh, that tweeted it, but um, it, basically, Nathan McKinnon's calling out these kids for saying you know racial slurs and uh. You know, it, it's just, it's phenomenal. It just makes you value a person like that so much more. Um, and he's just and basically. You, I was just about to say how, like the kids
1: don't even know that that's like a pro athlete right now, calling them out online. And it's probably just putting them to shame. Well, he, and rightfully like, so.
2: he, he literally called them like the scum of the earth. He was they like, are. You, guys, you guys are horrible people. And it was really like, are went on this. And it was amazing. It was honestly So if you get a sec, check it out. Uh, definitely worth the watch. Um, I'm going to throw a comment up here really quickly before we get the, uh, the Leafs talk. I don't know who he's talking about. I'm assuming Alex, but I don't know <laughs> well, who the hell he's talking about. So um, he, does got this, he does
1: have this Forsberg sash going on. You yeah. Know, like the nice handlebar going down. Kyle, you warm my
0: heart, buddy. Um, I'm, I'm going to, even if you weren't talking about me, I'm going to assume you were talking about me. Because I, I think I actually, uh, during the all-star game, I tweeted out, get Philip Forsberg to Toronto, not for his play, but for his mustache. There you he's go. he's there got, you go. <laughs> as an, I, I, I have to come out and say this boys, I might take some heat for this. As an avid Austin Matthews fan, Philip Forsberg has the best mustache in the league. He just, he does. Mm-hmm. He's got the twirls at the end. He looks like a, he looks like a fucking baker. It's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> And Matthews could probably do that at some point too, but I think he just likes the little the little worm over his lip, which to be fair, it's good look as well. But yeah, yeah,
2: the old caterpillar. Yeah. Um, anyways, <laughs> that's,
0: that's the word I was looking for, not worm. <laughs> Jeez, okay, anyways. Uh, caterpillar. Yeah.
2: Anyways, boys, Leafs Talk. Uh, Riley, the suspension, they went five and zero. they made it to seven games uh without a loss. Uh nice, nice little win streak, best in 20 years. Um, and obviously last night. Took a shellacking from uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, lost six two. But over that seven game stretch, we saw a lot of positives. Uh, line jumbling, uh, we got some some depth scoring. That was something that we we talked about prior to the uh, the win streak that was missing. Um, so, Peter, your thoughts on the seven game win streak? What they did without Riley in the lineup, and and obviously, you know what we could see from that loss last night.
1: That was the, or the best stretch of hockey because you know there's going to be more of a stretch coming up right now where they're going to face other teams. If they can continue what they did before that Vegas Golden Knights loss, then that they're they're going to be in a good spot because that those seven games were like textbook hockey and they wanted in many different ways, outscoring their opponents. When things got rough, they managed to claw their way back because you know Arizona they had the lead against Arizona, they lost it a bit managed to maintain it and get the W. They managed to just completely demolish and embarrass the Golden Knights in their home barn on the first game. And then they kind of returned the favor of the game after that. But you were expecting Vegas to have a response game after that because they are the the defending cup champs. But that was the most consistent stretch of hockey that we've seen all season. It's been like, you know, they would win three, lose three, uh, lose three, win four, lose four. You know, it would be like stretches where they would match their win streak with a losing streak. Streak. Hopefully that isn't going to be the case going forward because other teams that they're facing right now or in the near future have struggled aside from the New York Rangers because they've been pretty hot themselves, but you're going into possibly another trap game. And Andrew, last week we said that that game against the Arizona Coyotes was, you know, a do or die game for them because it kind of would set the tone of how they're going to play from here on out. And they actually played legitimately well against a lower-seeded team and a team that has lost, like, what, nine, ten straight heading into that game. Arizona is still kind of struggling right now. You have an opportunity to, once again, maintain that and keep your foot on the gas. And the Golden Knights game, aside too, because there was a lot of, like, issues both with defensive play and all that, you're going to have those blunders. But for the most part, the Maple Leafs have played hockey like they meant, like they meant it. They wanted to show that to prove to the GM that we want – you know, more help. We want to go on a deep run and this stretch really helped them out. And they got contributions throughout the lineup too. That was a big reason.
2: Yeah. And I mean, normally those are the games that they lose. And if you, I, there was a stat thrown out there, I believe by sports stats, you know, what their record is this season against teams like Columbus, Arizona, um, all those bottom feeding teams, Chicago, and it wasn't good. It wasn't good. So that's why we, I, you know, we broke down the Arizona game and said, you know, it's a must win. This mm-hmm. is one where you cannot lose. You're on a, you're on a run. Um, these are important points, especially in that top three standing in the uh, in the Atlantic Division, um, and they need to get it done. And they did. Alex, from those seven games, what did we take away from this Leafs team, and 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 see? You know, going into the the trade deadline, anything that maybe shifted the way the Leafs are going to approach it.
0: Yeah, I mean I, I I'd echo everything Peter said. They looked like they gave a shit 60 minutes a night for the for seven games in a row, which is the first time we've seen a streak like that from them this season. And I think that absolutely it was a message to the GM saying, listen, well, I think it was a message to the GM, but I think it was also a message to themselves saying, Listen, yeah, like we can't get pushed around like that. And we're I, I don't we're not gonna talk about the cross check for the seven billionth time, but like, you know, when when something like that happens. You've, you you got to respond because it, it's not just about you know being mad that your team's losing the game and taking some frustrations out. It's about you know the pride in the logo, the pride in your team, and it's about showing te- showing other teams that you're not going to let people walk all over you. So I think for them to take that winning streak and go and and play their best hockey of the season with the guy who got suspended out of the lineup, I think was a real message to themselves showing like, listen, this is not just a couple of guys in a locker room in the core four. This is like, we're a team We're we're building something here. We want to build something that goes beyond the regular season here. And to do that, we need to show some balls and we need to show each other we can stick up for each other. So um, yeah, I think that the play was just, and it, it, I, I think it's just one of those things where you start seeing guys around the lineup contribute. Obviously, the first the first game back or whatever from the suspension. Was it the first game back that Bobby McMahon got the hat trick? The first game against St. Louis? Or was that the second game? I think it was, it the, was first the first game. game. First Yeah, game. because first Matthews game. got the... Yeah, so Bobby McMahon gets the hat trick against, uh, against St. Louis that first game. And then you've got Austin Matthews obviously potting two hat tricks in a row in the following two games. And then, you know, you're starting to see Max Domi score more. You're starting to see Tyler Bertuzzi score more, which we'll get to later. And I just think that there's so many variables here. And when you like, when you start getting those contributions from all around the lineup, I feel like it just really gels a team together. And, you know, you take that along with the momentum that you get from winning all these games in a row. And at this point, I mean, I don't know why they can't play that brand of hockey for the rest of the season. And, you know, Peter, you mentioned that losing that game to Vegas. I don't want to say it was, it was, it should have been expected, But at the same time, you should not be going into your second game against the reigning cup champions in one week thinking Mm. that you're going to win. Yeah. Or at least they did have a
1: good start too.
0: And they did. They had a good start, Mm -hmm. but it became apparent after a bit that Vegas just, I don't even want to say wanted it more because I don't think the Leafs effort in that game was bad. I just think that, you know, Vegas is a damn good hockey team. And I feel like every time the Leafs play bad against a good team, it's like, yeah, okay, I understand the Leafs have a great team. You want them to succeed. You want them to show up teams every single night. But there are other teams in the league that are good, too. So, um, I mean, yeah, exactly. So, you, you, you pile those things together. Beating the Vegas Golden Knights twice in a week was going to be a tough task from the beginning. So, I'm not, I, I'm not even really mad that they lost that game. But I do need to see this effort continue. And it can't just, they can't fall back into old habits now and they can't go back to, you know, taking games off and losing games to bottom bottom feeders and taking their foot off the gas and, you know, allowing teams to crawl back in games because they did just about everything perfectly over that seven game stretch. And now that we've seen that they're capable of doing it with a depleted roster, why can't they do that with a full roster, right? So as long as they keep those efforts up, I'm I'm happy. I just, I need to see it more than over the course of one winning streak.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, you guys nailed it. I, you know, going back through this the uh, streak here, four goals, four goals, nine goals, four goals, six goals, seven goals, four goals. Um, you know, it, it's, yeah, there was a lot of Matthews. There's a lot of Nylanders sprinkled in there, but there was, a lot, there was a lot of depth scoring sprinkled in there as well. Um, even last night, uh, Ryan Reeves gets on the score sheet again. Um, and, and really, when you look back at last night's game, it wasn't a poor effort by any means by Toronto. They had some, some defensive breakdowns and, and Vegas capitalized and Vegas is a team that will capitalize when you have those breakdowns. So really, I think if you watch it closely, Toronto probably outplayed Vegas for the majority of that game. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just, you know, they, they, they didn't take advantage of their opportunities and they gave up far too many the other way. Power plays were, were key Four one power plays. Obviously, we saw Keith's frustration with that. Uh, he he didn't want to talk about it after the game. I, I've i seen guys, you know, not get penalties for more than what Keefe did. But, um, yeah, it was just a rough game. And I think, you know, you have to take that with a grain of salt after, you know, winning seven straight. You're, you know, the, the, there are some things that, that are going to go wrong and you're going to lose a game here and there, and that's okay. But if you have a consistent effort throughout the rest of the season, I think there's going to be no issues uh, with with this team, um, and we, Alex, you mentioned it two weeks ago. This team needs to play like the Florida Panthers played last year at the tail end of their season. Every game has to be a playoff game. They have to be ready to 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 put their full effort forth. And you know, you watch this streak, and they were scoring seven goals, and all of a sudden you're like, man, they wasted so many goals in this game. They're gonna they're gonna come up shy next game. All of a sudden they go out and they score nine or or whatever, right? Like it just. There was, there was a lot of good things that we saw in that seven-game stretch, and uh, they need to continue that and carry it over. Um, it's worth noting, too, that their their next their next matchup is uh, tomorrow night against Arizona again, so another another must-win against a team that is struggling in the last month uh, to get things done. Uh, and the Leafs, the Leafs could very easily uh, pick up two points there as well, but they can't take them lightly, so... It's um, funny you mentioned that spark,
1: <clears throat> Forbes, because we're getting close to when Keith Kachuk called out the Florida Panthers, and that's when they went on their run. And I talked about this how the Morgan Rielly suspension could serve as that spark for the Maple Leafs, and the timing of it all is just
2: very, very coincidental. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. And and, and I mentioned it. Uh, we we saw a lot of line juggling in the in the seven game stretch. Um, obviously guys were in and out of the lineup with the, the cold, the first couple games of the suspension, um, Tavares was out. Nylander was out for practice. One game Marner was out. Um, you know, there was just a lot of like tinkering and it seemed to, to spark a few players, obviously Bertuzzi with his hat trick on his birthday. He picked up another goal last night. Uh, so he's at 11 now very quickly shifted his season around, um, you know, Tavares is on the third line. So I'm going to t- kind of tie in a few of our talking points here, but take me through your thoughts, Alex, on, you know, Tavares getting the move to the third line, how that benefits the team and, you know, maybe how it, it might shift the mentality of of how you uh, ice this lineup. I am a huge fan of that. And I was calling
0: for that to happen before the season started I actually, if you go back and look at my articles from September, I had something out about why Sam Lafferty, rest, rest in peace. um, Why he and John Tavares on the, like as a, as a pair could actually really work. And it's because John Tavares and say whatever you want about him, about how he's washed or whatever, how he's not the player he was back in the mid 2010s or whatever. But when John Tavares was with the Islanders, he made his money playing with wingers that were just kind of like your everyday journeyman guys. And sorry, maybe a little better than that, but point is he didn't have like a a Mitch Marner or a William Nylander on his wings when he was with the Islanders. He most of the time he had Josh Bailey and Matt Molson of just to name a few. So John Tavares is not a guy that needs star power on his wings to, to succeed. And I just think that with the amount of talent that the Leafs have had stacking up your lines offensively can be a good thing. But I think this year, with the moves we saw Brad living make in the off season, we knew from the start, this team was going to be worse defensively, but in return for that, they were going to be getting better. Con- they're ideally going to be getting better contributions from their bottom six and from their middle six and the guys that they brought in. That's why, you know, you see guys like Alex Kerfoot go out the door and get replaced with Max Domi. Yeah. Max Domi far worse defensively than Kerfoot was, but I think he's got more up more upside offensively and I think he's also just got a little bit more of that mean streak and not not to say he's a big you know he's a trucking hitter or anything like that but you saw even again in that game against Arizona when uh he was he was jerking around what was it Sean Jersey I think it was beaking mm-hmm. at William Nylander like so point is with the amount of Moves The Leafs made this offseason kind of revamping that bottom six. They should have been experimenting with spreading that offense out from like from the beginning and the article that I wrote that I'm that I'm thinking of the not the other one that I wrote because I had the one with Tavares and Lafferty being together. I also had one suggesting the Leafs split their talents into two power play units instead of just loading up the one and while they they're still loading up one power play unit they've made one crucial change there that I've been calling for for a couple months now. And that is Tyler Bertuzzi in front of the nets. And I just think that I I think that, you know, for a guy like Bertuzzi and I'm sorry, I'm kind of like pivoting off of the question you asked me and moving on to the Bertuzzi talking point, but really you know, you're wondering why this guy's not scoring goals. You've taken away pretty much 80% of his opportunities to get in front of the net and do damage, which is where mm. he makes his money. That's where he scores most of his goals. I think 20, 20, 21, 22, when he had 30 goals with Detroit, 15 of them were in front of the net. So I, I think that in bringing in all those guys offensively, you have the ability to spread offense out and you don't have to worry about, you know, it's not one of those things where, if you had put Tavares on the third line two years ago, his wingers would be Mikaev and Engvall, right? Like you, you've got guys on his wings who are a little more offensively inclined, like a Nick Robertson. You've got guys that are like they're younger, like they're 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 not safe in the lineup per se. Like they're playing every day as if like they can be taken out of the rotation. And I just think that that along with getting Bertuzzi onto a line with Max Domi, and then you know not putting him on a line where he's the second net front guy, because when he's with Tavares and Nylander, Tavares is kind of typically a net front guy as well. So the fit just never really made sense. And I think that it, it took way too long, but it looks like the Leafs have finally found their optimal forward lines. And while I think a de- the addition of a defensive forward would still be welcomed at the deadline, I honestly would have no problem if the Leafs went into the playoffs with the offense they have right now, because you got to consider as well, on forward, you, your deadline addition could be a healthy Cali Yarncroke, right? And by the time you bring Yarncroke back into the lineup, I mean, you just have a... That is a deep four lines, man. Especially if you keep the lines the way they are. Basically, keep that top six. You got Nice Matthews, Martin, You got Bertuzzi, Domi, Nylanders, your top six. Now imagine taking Cali Yarncroke and putting him on the third line with Robertson and Tavares and then dropping Bobby McMahon down to the fourth line with Camp and Holmberg. I mean... Like that's, that's an infinitely deeper forward lineup than we've ever seen with the Leafs, except for last year after they made the O'Reilly acquisition and all that. But point is, I feel like that was a long tangent point is, I think that they've had the opportunity this year all along to spread their offense out and not have to just rely on cramming those four guys into the top, like into the top two lines. And then just expecting Bertuzzi and Domi to chip in elsewhere, like, those guys are offensively minded. You got to set them up in positions to succeed as well. And I think Keith has finally figured that out. And I think that's why we're seeing such an outburst in secondary scoring these past couple of games.
2: I mean, it makes it tough too to move McMahon down to that fourth line with the that's, way that he's, well, doing that's my point. Ball, right? I would anything, argue
1: that you would probably keep them there with Tavares and Robertson. Cause they had that great balance with mm-hmm. McMahon and Robertson doing the heavy leg work. We know JT isn't the quickest guy, but having Domi and Burt with Nylander, they're energetic. But the way that McMahon has proven himself right now, to move up into the lineup—no offense to Yarn Croak—we're like we're big Yarn Croak yeah, stands. We're fans of his.
0: It's not even—it's not even that. Like it. Like if you make that argument, that's just a compliment to how deep this team is. It's yeah. not even a slight towards
1: Yarn Croak. Imagine how,
0: you've got Cali Yarn Croak on your fourth line,
1: mm-hmm. like yeah. and, with, that, and with Cam picking it up and Reeves playing like he has the last few yeah, games or even since like you know the actual cross check or whatever the last since the suspension happened you know he out he, in two instances he out the golden knights d what one, a one on three for a shot on goal and then he scores a goal later in the game alex i, I know like we see your tweets about Reeves all the time <laughs> online about how you know this is the best we've seen from him, but it it is true. And now that we have the Ryan Reeves that we expected, this fourth line now is more competitive. And this fourth line, I actually pulled up some of like the stats, um, or the like the stats from like recently of Holmberg, Camp, and Reeves. Um, in six games, this is from Money Puck. Uh, sure, again, like limited amount of like, you know, a sample or whatever, but Holmberg, Camp and Rees are on for three goals for zero against a 5.17 goals for per 60 minutes. Where have we seen that from the fourth line at I'm, any point this year?
0: I'm just going to point this out to Peter, because there was a, there was a graphic on Sportsnet on Tuesday night about, the fourth line specifically on Saturday against the Colorado Avalanche. Spontus mm-hmm. Holmberg, David Camp, Ryan Reeves, they had they played 10 and 10 minutes, 34 seconds, expected goals of 92%, and Corsi of 81%. I mean, that's that's, that's what a fourth line is supposed un, to do. Unheard of numbers for a line mm-hmm. with Ryan Reeves on it. And yeah, can I just say, boys, that by the time this season is over, if you if you Type Reeves into my little search bar on my Twitter profile, you are going to go on the roller coaster of your life because I have. <laughs> I, I, man, I'm not going to lie about it. I've written more than one article this year talking about how that signing was Brad True Living's biggest failure and it hasn't even like this we haven't even gotten into the thick of the deal yet, Mm -hmm. but on the inside, man, I want to see Reeves do well. I want to see Reeves in the form of like the guy that he was with the Vegas golden Knights on the year that they went to the cup final. I want to have that energy guy. I want to have him getting in the faces of the other team. Like no one wants to chirp Ryan Reeves. So I'm, I do, I do. I'm going to feel bad at the end of the year when I go back and look at all the articles where I basically said that they need to find a way to dump him as soon as possible. But I mean, he's proving everybody wrong. He's proving me wrong. He's proving the the stats gurus that were convinced that this was going to be dead from day one. They're proving he's proving them wrong. I mean, I think it's just uh, it's great to see Revo finally stepping up a little bit and earning his
2: role on the team. So I'm gonna I'll just throw this at you since we're on the Reeves topic right now. Uh, he played 73 games last year, had five goals. He's played 31 games this year, has three goals. I think he's more underrated than people people give him credit for. I I agree that you know the signing the dollar amount might have been questionable. It, it's still to this this point might be questionable, but the fact that he's you know he's his legs are so much he's so much quicker than people give him credit for, yeah. and that adds an extra element to that fourth line as well because not only do you have this big body bruiser enforcer guy that can tear your head off and eat it, he's you know now you've got a guy who's coming in quick too you got you've got to make your mind up and make that decision and he forces the opponent to make that decision which allows for turnovers which allows for that fourth line to get opportunities he's exactly what this this team needs and he's playing like that right now and that's what they this is this is why they acquired him this is exactly why they 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 signed him and yeah i think i think if you you, you have to keep him in the lineup right now because the way that he's playing i mean he's playing with more confidence than he had at the beginning of the year there's no question about it. Um, in terms of the the lineup, um, yeah, I just – I think the way that it is right now, it's like, um, you know, you brought up JT and, and being on the third line. And, and, yeah, I mean, maybe he's taking a step back in terms of his overall skating. But this is a guy who still has 17 goals so far this year. There are only – I believe it's 86 players in the NHL that have more goals than him this year even if he scores like one or two more, he's up in the top 50 in goals uh, by players this, this season. And that's pretty remarkable for the 33 year old. Um, obviously moving up and down the lineup, my biggest criticism of, of Sheldon Keith from day one has been, you know, his, his manipulation of the lineup, the way that he moves players around and, and never seems to stick with the same guys, except for maybe those top two lines. And I think, what he did over the last seven game stretch is exactly what he needed to do when he had those guys out of the lineup. He was mm-hmm. he was literally throwing shit at the wall and seeing what would stick, right? Like, like that's that's you know, close your eyes, throw a dart, okay? While well you're on the second line tonight, and and it worked for him, and it allowed for him to 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 get a, a better feel for some of the players like Bobby McMahon. This is a guy who was undrafted. This is a guy who you know. We talked, I I think I wrote an article last year about, you know, my Leafs prospect report and I put Bobby McMahon in there and somebody wrote back and was like, he's 27 years old. He's not a, uh, and he's not a prospect anymore. And it's like, yeah, but man, like this is, this is a guy that has never had the opportunity to play. He's, he's, he's still, you know, considered an NHL prospect because he's actually never played in the show and now he's getting an opportunity. He's, he's succeeding. He's playing incredibly well over the last, you know, two or three weeks. And as you said, Alex, this is exactly what you want going into that that final stretch of the season. You want that depth. You get Cali Yarncroke back. I think um, you know the best deadline acquisition for them has been Bobby McMahon playing the way that he is. Cali Yarncroke possibly coming back healthy. Uh, Joseph Wall coming back healthy. All the pieces that they're missing, they're getting except for maybe on defense and that's the one spot that they can, you know, look back at and and, and uh, maybe gravitate towards when it comes to the deadline.
0: Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I think that, you know, you look at the list of players that are on the trade bait board every year. And I feel like every year it's just everyone's natural instinct to be like, Oh, that guy could fit. Oh, at least could use that guy. Oh, this guy. Yeah. At least could absolutely make a trade work for that guy. But Really, I think the only deal that they need to make this year is for a defenseman for Morgan Riley. And I think that's it. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't even have to be a top defense. I'm not asking them to go out and trade for Rasmus Anderson or something like that. Like, would love
1: that, though. Oh, Rasmus
0: Anderson would be amazing. Leafs already have future Rasmus Rasmus Anderson on their team, though, just uh, for what it's worth. But, Mm -hmm. anyways, um, you know, I, I think that whether it's a top guy like that or it's just kind of a placeholder like Luke Shen was last year, I think that trading for a defenseman to play with Morgan Riley has a domino effect because that allows you to keep the Brody Lilligren pair together. And it allows you to keep the Benoit McCabe pair together. And both those pairings have been great. It's just, as soon as you throw someone into the equation that messes up those other two pairs, that's when shit really starts to hit the fan. So
2: I want to get your guys feel on, on Tyler Bertuzzi. Obviously we talked about his hat trick on his birthday, uh, really got the monkey off his back and, and added another one last night. He's up to 11 goals, 27 points in 57 games right now for the Leafs. Um, is this a guy, like when he first signed, the, the, the conversation was that, you know, both sides are interested in a longer-term deal. Obviously, the the first half of the season didn't go the way that either side wanted it to. But, Alex, I'm going to throw it to you first. Is this a guy that maybe they look at and, and has the potential to re-sign in Toronto, maybe at a lesser dollar amount than what was first thought of?
0: I, I mean I want them to re-sign Tyler Bertuzzi because I think that if you bring him in, you've got you, you've basically got a left side over the next however many years of Matthew Nice, Tyler Bertuzzi, and eventually probably Easton Cowan. And we'll talk about Cowan a little later, obviously. But I, I've been i I've been on the train of trying to get Tyler Bertuzzi signed long term here for a while. I think he's the type of guy that they've lacked for a bit. And I think now that we're seeing him at his best. He's he's officially starting to look like the guy they looked like that are he's starting to look like the guy that the Leafs wanted on July 1st when they or July 2nd, whatever it was, when they signed him. And you know, I know that now seems like a really weird time to talk about extending him long term because um it's just the fact that he's he, he just looked so out of place at the first half of the year and stuff. And I don't know, it it seems weird to be talking about an extension, but I think that if you can get him for a lesser dollar right now, you absolutely should do it because even if he's not a 30 goal scorer, like he was in Detroit, he's proven that he can be a guy who puts up 40 to 50 points this year. And in the end, that's all the Leafs really need from him. That's like, that's a consistent secondary score right there. That's a guy who's had good underlying defensive metrics so far this year. That's a guy who's got snot like, like, Bradshaw Living said, and you know I made this argument when the Leafs extended David Camp, and you can look at that deal now and say he's being paid too much. Whatever I, I know people aren't into that contract whatsoever, but um, I think that it's really they, he got a nine hundred thousand dollar raise, and the cap's going to go up. So, anyways, that's a discussion for a different day. But the argument that I made when the Leafs signed David Camp was that at some point you got to start locking up some of your secondary pieces because you remember that quote that Brad true living dropped at the start of the year when he said, it can't just be about the core four. It has Mm -hmm. to be about the Toronto Maple Leafs.
1: You got to find those secondary pieces.
0: If you continue to just run back the core four with a different supporting cast every year, you're never going to build team chemistry and it is ultimately going to be about the core four, whether you, no matter how much you talk about how it shouldn't be. So I like that they regardless of what you think of the dollar value I like the extended camp cuz that's a guy that's been here and he's been a reliable player for them and he's he, he's clearly a good part of that dressing room and if you you know if you can get Bertuzzi at a lower number if you can get Max Domi at a similar number for two or three years or something like that all of a sudden you've got a supporting cast locked in along with your core players. I mean, you look at the Tampa Bay Lightning. Obviously, they had their Vasilevsky, their Kucherov, their Braden Point locked up long term. But they also, up until recently, they had they had, I mean, they've had Anthony Sorelli this entire time. Um, and you look at some of the defensemen that they have as well, Eric Chernak, like I'm just spitballing here, but point is you gotta have a supporting cast around the team and around the core that the core can get familiar with and that you're not just every year going into the offseason saying, okay, new third line, let's go bargain bin hunting for some guys with good analytics and and pick up someone who's you know, you, you know, you know what I mean? Like I, I, as much as I as much as I do think that Dubas was great at finding value, sorry, finding value signings like the Michael Buntings out there and obviously found some value in Anj Kasha and he found some value in David Camp as well. Half of those guys are leaving every other year. So I, I feel like I feel like for Bertuzzi, you're not only locking up a secondary scoring piece, you're locking up a guy that seems to have meshed really well in this dressing room so far. And you know, by extending Austin Matthews over the summer, you extended this team's cup window by five years at least. And one thing that they can do that they didn't do over the over the past couple of years before that is really start to establish a secondary support squad around the core four. And I think that's uh, something that could pay off for them.
2: Yeah. A couple of those names on Tampa, Andre Pallott, uh Tyler Johnson, Yanni Gord. Those are the guys that they had kind of mixed in with that core that they had put together that, that filled out that third line and that was a third line for them for quite some time mm-hmm. until obviously Johnson left and then the others followed. But um, yeah, Peter, your thoughts on Bertuzzi is, is this maybe an opportunity for the Leafs and, and Brad for living to go out there and maybe sign them for a lesser, lesser amount than what they originally thought they would for a longer term deal. The only, uh... Unless there's a better name on the market, which I really don't
1: think there is, considering how this class free agent wise may not be that great, you want to try and keep him in the fold because, as listen, Bertuzzi has had the like worst luck of pucks not going in. You know, bouncing off posts. I think the one that sums it up was that easy tap in against Edmonton Oilers, and it's an empty net, and it goes right off the post. And back out. And there are so many instances where, you know, he even scores against the Winnipeg Jets, but that's called back because, you know, William Nielander was shoved into Connor Hellebuck, but that should have been a good goal. Anyways, he's been doing everything right to this point. Like I, I wrote about his hat trick and how this could be him on the verge of breaking out. And lo and behold, he scores against the Golden Knights after that hat trick. But you saw what he did beforehand. He had the best shot, shot attempts for Corsi for percentage expected goals for percentage scoring chances and high danger chances. When he was on the ice, he was making things happen. It's just the conversion rate was not there. And yeah, would we like to have seen, you know, maybe 15, 16 goals to this point? Absolutely. But it it just wasn't working out and he was doing everything right. And even Keith said that you know, he was doing the little things to be successful. It's just a matter of converting. And now that he scores four goals in two games, this could be something that jump starts him. And I think that whole entire, um, you know, meshing or rejuggling of the lines that has him with Domi and Nylander, where he's still that second line left wing uh, player, but you have other players that could, you know, keep up or that plays at a quick rate like him. That, to me, spelled that there's potential right now. And if he could get hot in the second half, absolutely, the Maple Leafs could re-sign him. There's been talks that they wanted to extend him even on January 1st when that window could open up. I think they wanted to see more of a larger sample because even Keith calls him. He's a fearless He's a fearless player and he's a gamer. You know, this, those are the type of players that make a difference in the playoffs. And everyone was basically saying, you know, do you trade Bertuzzi, what have you, what's going to happen now? He's not making or living up to that 5.5 million that he's earning right now. But this is what I was talking like. I am probably haven't said it like out in the open, but I've been thinking it deep down. If you were to trade Tyler Bertuzzi right now or before he got these four goals, Imagine if he goes to an actual uh, like another playoff contending team and he starts converting and making those chances and he's going to be the difference just like he was kind of with the Boston Bruins last year but the whole entire team fell flat but he was very productive. That's going to look really really bad and the fact that now that maybe yeah goal totals are starting to come up right now that's huge. He's getting, you know, he he got the monkey off his back. He's starting to get hot. He's got to feel really good about himself right now that pucks are going in. And that's going to continue for him and his line mates, because you, you see both or Bertuzzi feeding off Domi and lander A little too much passing at times against Vegas, but he managed to convert anyways. If he's able to continue this kind of pace, like if he's still able to do a twenty to twenty-five goals and assists at maybe four four point five. I think that's going to be very good value for the Maple Leafs in the long run, even if it's not like a long-term deal, maybe like three, four years to see what you can get and see if he can still build off of what he did despite the struggles. I I think it's going to be a big home run if Bertuzzi can get back to what he was, not necessarily when he scored 30 goals with the Detroit Red Wings, but being that pest and in-your-face type of player that crashes the net constantly like he was with the Bruins.
2: Yeah, I mean, forget for a second, even the uh, the the goal total. I mean, what he did in that game where he scored the hat trick might have been the most inspired play I've seen from him all season. Blocking mm-hmm. shots, getting back on D, playing a two hundred foot game, being physical, uh, getting in the face of the opponents, and and it it was you know what it was. It wasn't it wasn't you know, hey, I need to get something started here. It was confidence. It was yeah. all of a sudden he pots one. He's starting to play more confident. He gets his hat trick. He's playing more confident. Then he comes out last night. Obviously, the team, you know, wasn't as as good as they should have been. And yet still, Tyler Bertuzzi is is right there and and he pots another one and and continues that streak of confidence. That's what it is. And if you can get that going, I mean, this is a different player that we're talking about. And again, this goes back to the whole idea of making an acquisition at the deadline without actually making a, a move, right? All of a sudden, you've got a Tyler Bertuzzi who's putting the puck in the net. All of a sudden you have a Max Domi who's putting the puck in the net. This is exactly what the Leafs brought them in for. This is what they want for that mm-hmm. little stretch at the end and, and getting into playoffs. They play with a little bit more feistiness to them. Um, Yeah. I, I think this is the perfect opportunity for, for Brad true living to go out and say, Hey, what can we get you for? And knowing that the cap's going to go up a little bit and knowing where they sit now with, with their bigger contract signed. Um It's 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 an important time for Brad tree living to kind of look at the future of this team. And, and like Alex said, build that build around that core build that supporting cast. No movie is a good movie without the the roles that support the main actor and actress. So that's what we're looking at with the Leafs. I'm sorry. I thought you were in the middle of
0: queuing up one of your great segues into the game. No, no. That's why
2: I went and went to drop the mic. No, no, no. Drop. But before we before we jump to the next topic here, uh, fellow writer over at the Hockey Writers, Haynes Evans covers the Haynes. Arizona Coyotes uh, for the Hockey Writers. Three great guys talking some hockey right now. When will I get my invite? Well, missed opportunity. They, we should have had no. one today. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I was thinking the same thing as as soon as I saw your uh, your comment, Haynes. Um, definitely missed opportunity. We'll have to get you on. Uh maybe no, maybe doubt. We get him on the drop week. the ball there. Yeah, we'll talk, yeah, sorry we'll yeah. about that, bud. Talk some yeah. talk some Yotes next week,
0: maybe after the talk a little hindsight yotes,
2: especially if we lose. What did we do wrong? But yeah. um <laughs> especially if we when we lose, you mean they're not, <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah. winning two games against Arizona this year, man.
0: Don't kid yourself. Yeah, yeah. So um Ains, yeah, definitely
2: happen. we'll we'll get you on. Thanks for tuning in, buddy. And uh with that, boys. We'll look at the lines, Arizona and Toronto, as we get into our quick word from the DraftKings Sportsbook. Um, great sponsor for us at THPN. Um, we know hockey games move fast, but with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you can score faster than anything happening on the ice. This week, new customers can bet 5 bucks and get 200 instantly in bonus bets. As I mentioned, head over, look at the games, the lines for tomorrow, Toronto, Arizona, Arizona's in town. Toronto's paying minus 250. Uh, If you like the over under six and a half goals, which is very, very much likely. Um, And uh, obviously the Leafs are favored by one and a half. That's paying plus 105. Um, But... uh, yeah, uh, download the, the DraftKings Sportsbook app with code THPN. New customers bet just 5 bucks on the NHL and get 200 and fi- 200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. The crowd is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8HOPE-NY or text hope ny 467 369 in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas 21 plus age varies varies by jurisdiction Uh, void in Ontario bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkng.com slash hockey for eligibility and deposit restrictions Terms and responsible gaming resources, NHL and the NHL shield are registered trademarks of the national hockey league, copyright NHL 2024, all rights reserved orbs i just have to say man like i i have an utmost amount of respect
0: for you for that last part especially of the of the read when you got to go through all the phone numbers and all the codes <laughs> and stuff because that's usually the part that everyone reads at normal speed and then they speed it up at the end of commercials yeah, yeah you're, you're yeah. just you're just out here rod dogging it i love it
2: hey man uh you know what i i uh you gotta you gotta help those people that are having the problems um <laughs> listen to forbes <laughs> i i'll tell i'll tell t- you right now i feel like I feel like I got it going. At, so I I got a bunch of guys at work kind of you know on the app and and uh, you know I didn't realize how many degenerates there are out there until I had a few of these guys go on the apps and they come in every day. Hey, what are your what are your bets today? What are your bets? Who are you taking for goal <laughs> score? They rely and, on you. Uh, yeah, I realized very quickly that uh, I might have created a few monsters out there. But um, Haynes, uh, thanks again. I'm always available. I don't know if I have. Much to say about the Yotes non-existent wins. Just let me know. We'll get you on, buddy. We're excited to get you on. Always good to add a face to uh, another one of our fellow writers, um, our fellow hockey writers. So um, yeah, definitely. We're going to get you on, buddy. And appreciate, as I said, appreciate you tuning in. Um, Guys, before we close it out here, just a couple last things about our Leafs. The trade deadline is obviously coming up March 8th. I believe it is Uh, Leafs obviously with our, what we've talked about, the, the, the focus for this team has to shift to D Peter. You did write a piece about uh, what the Leafs are looking, looking for Um, a few names that you want to throw out there. Let's throw it to you first, buddy.
1: Yeah, it's funny because about a few weeks ago, Chris Johnson Mm -hmm. mentioned, you know, the Maple Leafs being in on Sean Walker, but also a name that I really liked at the beginning of the season. That was Alexander Carrier from the Nashville predators. And, Obviously, both are puck-moving defensemen. Both have the speed and the transitional play, but I feel like Carrier, Carrier might be more of a flyer and more of a player that you could probably pay less to get than, let's say, Sean Walker, because I think the ASCII price is still going to be high, but Carrier has a lot to prove because he has been on the decline, but his underlying numbers are very well. So he's a guy that I'm thinking that could be like, it could slot in as a 4 to six kind of demon right-hand shot a little bit on their size, but he's still very competitive I do like Nick Sealer. I think he could be another option that could be very cheap to get um I feel like you know he's got that rough and tough bruising mentality that you know Simon Benoit plays with but he doesn't he he's basically the same type of player as Benoit I think he would be a very good complementary third pairing defenseman and if the Maple Leafs want to go for you know term you know there there's probably some Talk, Not necessarily some talk, but a lot of people are talking about, you know, possibly going after Adam Larson or Will Borgen in Seattle. Both players have one more year on their deal after this one, which would be more likely to be able for them to pay that first round pick as opposed to paying it for, let's say, Chris Tanev, where, you know, you there's still that uncertainty where he's got his injury history. Are you going to resign him in the offseason kind of thing? at least if you have that one more year of security with another player, I think that first round pick is definitely worth moving in that regard. But I feel like those are some of the like top names or some of my favorite names that like stand out. If you're looking at a defenseman there, again, I did write about Rasta Sanderson when Kevin Weeks broke that teams were calling about him. I think he'd be very ideal, but is Calgary really going to let him walk if he's made available? Great. Toronto could work over whatever price needs to be paid for him. But you know, wishful thinking at that point, but those four players are probably a little bit more realistic this time around.
2: Yeah, Alex, I mean, kind of the same, same idea. There seems to be a lot of conversation around the, uh, the Seattle Kraken as a possible trade partner for the Leafs. Is there anything that you're seeing any guys that maybe uh, come to mind or around the league that you're kind of honing in on when it comes to the uh, Leafs trade deadline acquisitions? So my,
0: I have decided that my picture perfect acquisition this year, that's actually like potentially attainable is Adam Larson. And I just think that, you know, he checks off so many perfect boxes. He, he's a, he kills so many penalties for the Kraken. he, I, he, what I think he was leading the team. I think he's like second on the team in hits or something like that. Like he's he's t- near top of the category for both hits and block shots. Can chip in a little bit of offense and he's right handed. He's just, you know, the perfect guy that you, when you visualize a partner that needs to play with Morgan Riley, he's like the perfect thing that comes to mind. That having been said, I think Friedman said on 32 Thoughts earlier this week that Seattle wasn't interested in moving him, which tells me that if they do end up moving him, it's going to be for a way too expensive price. So I have pivoted off of Adam Larson and I have taken a couple steps back. And I've essentially settled for, and don't take this as an insult. I've essentially settled for um the great value version of Adam Larson. And his name is Will Borgon. And I think just, you know, strong first pass. He's got, I I remember I was looking at his NHL edge page. I think he's in like the I think it was the 91st percentile in terms of top speed. So he's a he's a better skater than he than he brings on because he's 6'3, 204, whatever it is. And he basically does all the things that Larson does. He doesn't bring as much offense though, from what I gather. So I mean you're looking for a pop off. Yeah, like you're looking for a guy who's got term. You're looking for a guy who's right-handed, who's physical, who can block shots, who can play alongside Morgan Riley. I think Will Borgan fits that bill perfectly. And um, I'm not gonna lie, I haven't watched a ton of Will Borgan highlights, believe it or not. Um I don't really have like a like a repertoire of Will Borgan lore that i go back and look at every day but um i do think that he, from what i've seen of him he seems like he'd be a pretty perfect fit and i don't think that's i i just don't i don't know i don't I, I don't see this guy going for a first round pick so i think in terms of affordability and in terms of every other aspect of his game that the leafs are looking to fill i think he could be a pretty perfect fit
2: yeah going back to your thought about uh you know larson and in what friedman said um uh, I wonder how much of this is like, you know, teams kind of fronting like where they where they stand on certain players to see if they can kind of draw more out of uh, out of a trade in an instance where they where they move that particular player. I, you know, I don't I don't know. Obviously, obviously, he's an important piece of Seattle's uh, lineup and and uh, veteran leadership as well. But um, it, it's interesting because uh, you know it, his name wouldn't float out there unless it was something that like there was a potential that he could be moved um another guy i want to throw out i like i like the borgen pick actually but another guy that i'd like to throw out is jamie Alexiak. and the only thing with Alexiak is is his cap hit right now is 4.6 i believe for the next two years after this season uh and he does have a modified no trade clause so it, it would have to be a conversation i think before it, it would uh it would happen but he's he's another guy that i think fits well with with morgan riley and He's more that uh, defensive uh, stalwart. He leads the team in hits, and I believe he leads the team in block shots as well. Uh, but he's a guy that you know. I think the Leafs had some interest in um, you know a couple of years ago, and and just it didn't work out. And but uh, definitely a guy that uh, would would bring a lot to the team as well. So um, yeah. Uh, other than that, I do want to I do want to touch on Easton Cowan as you had mentioned. Um, Sorry, before we do that, uh, Joseph Wall uh, had his conditioning stint in uh, in the HL with the Marlies. Uh, had a good outing, uh, looked well, played well. Now he's back up with the team. Um, there's a lot of conversation about the Leafs possibly running with three goaltenders. Obviously, Jones has Jones for the most part has done the job that he's been asked to do. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on one Wall coming back? Who gets the to start tomorrow? And are the least running with three player, three goaltenders? Um, who gets the
0: start tomorrow? If Wall... So, here's the thing. He's back from his conditioning stint, but he hasn't been taken off the IR yet, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're still kind of leaving things up to him. So, if, if Wall can't go tomorrow, then I think Samsonov's still the guy. Uh, I think you have to ride him with confidence because I think he's someone who really relies on... I don't want to say relies on, but I, you know, he's a guy who he, he can use the support when he's, when he's struggling, like, you know, he, he always thrives off of the confidence from his coaches and things like that. So um, I'd probably start him. And I still think he's been playing pretty well lately aside from his last couple games. So I'd start him overall though. I think that once Joseph wall gets back, it's just going to be what it was supposed to be at the, excuse me, supposed to be at the start of the year, just ride the hot hand. And um, if one guy is evidently doing better than the other, then you got to ride whoever's playing better. So, uh, great to see Wall back. Uh, I would think that if he comes back healthy and fresh and comes back the way that he played in the played in the AHL, I know that's not really a great place to take a sample size from, but if he comes back and you know he ends up hitting the ground running, I think that a, a, a goaltender who can who can step up and make these saves and, and, and give the Leafs a performance like that night in and night out, would could be the best thing for this team right now. So
2: interested to see how that plays out. Peter, your thoughts on uh, the wall situation and uh, whether or not the Leafs run with three goaltenders. I want to go one
1: step further and what if they run four goaltenders and Matt Murray makes a miraculous comeback? <laughs> <laughs> I mean that I again, that's probably wishful thinking, but I did read that his name was in like the practice stalls and he was starting to hit the ice possibly. So at least that's good news on his recovery. So um, probably still a long ways for Matt Murray to come back, but yeah, you know, I, I think running with three goalies, it's not a bad option. Like it, Cause you still run that risk of losing that depth that Martin Jones has had. Cause he's had a lot of terrific outings. And if he gets placed on Ray waivers, somebody picks him up. There goes your third goalie. So you might as well want to keep all three up as much as possible. And if it means losing another, sending a defenseman or forward down to keep Jones up, so be it because you want to keep that depth there. So, but when the playoff time comes around, you could expand that roster just a little bit. So, I think you got to go with Samsonov cuz he has carried the load and he has looked impressive since that, you know, being sent down. How how well he has played to this point. But if Joseph Wall plays like he did, did in that condition stint did in his first game back, then you got a very dynamic tandem going where hopefully it doesn't go to Samsonov's head where he probably had that struggle where he had another guy competing with him. But then again, it was kind of the same thing last year with Matt Murray. So hopefully both of them can help each other out, feed off each other and both have good stretches down this run. Uh, So Samson off short answer, but it wouldn't surprise me if wall kind of retakes that because of how consistency, how consistent he was before then. But if both goalies are up to their, or playing at their game and at the, at a high level, then it's a good thing for both of them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think you have to run with three goalies right now. Like I said, I think, you know Martin Jones obviously his numbers are you know average I guess but uh you know he's done exactly what you've asked him to do kind of come in there and be the band-aid fix while you you were you were down uh, uh wall and and alias Samson obviously uh, he was out for a little while too with his uh his conditioning stint as well so I mean I, I think that's that's something you have to consider especially with how things went last year in the playoffs. You know, you have to have that extra, extra goaltender on the roster. Um, in, in saying that, I, I like that Wall hasn't come off the IR yet. I like that they're going to wait and, and let him let him get to 100%. As I've said multiple times on this show, the ankle for a goaltender is such a huge piece uh, right. for your side-to-side, post-to-post. Um, I, 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 can't, I can't stress enough how important it is that he's 100% before he comes back. And I think for the time being, Ilya Samson, is going to get the job done. I think, you know, like you said, Alex, you got to run with him tomorrow and and let him kind of bounce back off of what was a rough game for him um, and, and give him the opportunity to, to come back and, and gain back that confidence. He's, he's a guy that's uh, that, you know, feels that confidence and runs with it and, and allows it to drive his game. And if, if he loses it again, all of a sudden you're, you're back to square one with him. So um, uh, yeah, I think that's where we stand with that, <clears throat> um, boys. Before we before we close it out, one last thing. Uh, Peter brought up a great uh, great little um, uh, I guess quote from uh, uh, Sportsnet uh, prospects analyst. We'll call him Jason Bukala um, today on the Fan Five Hundred and Ninety was speaking about Easton Cowan and, and the London Knights and um, kind of talked about where Easton Cowan would go in in this year's draft based on what he's done in his draft plus one year um so peter i don't know if you want to quickly play that audio and then we can kind of run off of that
1: yeah so this is off of the uh jd uh, bunkus podcast which was aired or pro, uh, posted on the sports 590 so this is the way to start it is okay easton cowan if he was in the draft this year where would you slot him like is he a top five pick if he's in the draft this year then Oh, he's a top, and that's a great question. Uh, so
0: he's definitely, definitely a top ten pick in this draft cycle, based on what I see uh, for this, the quality of this draft. Like Cowan can score more than Nye's is going to score, but he's going to play with the, uh, he's going to be Nye's light in the hard areas. He's going to be tenacious. He's going to have, he's going to be in the fight. You know what I mean? Like along the wall
2: and doing those types of things. I don't. I've used this loosely, and I don't want everybody to get, in you know, you know, too excited. But he's kind of like a modern day version of like a Darcy
0: Tucker. Like Darcy Tucker's era was different; the game was played different back then. Mm-hmm. Understand that now. You know how Tucker was always in it. Like this guy's going to be always in it, and he's going to score. So um, that's why he's a top six for me. Hey, Jason.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, take that for what you will, uh, as, as he mentioned, like take it lightly, the comparison to Darcy Tucker, but Peter, your thoughts on Easton Cowan, what he's done this season. And, and, you know, obviously a prospect that I don't think the Leafs are, are going to give up at any point in the next little while.
1: Yeah. I, I, again, just said, do take this lightly and not get carried away because we would all love Dar- like Darcy Tucker, like play, like player to be back. Um, obviously a little bit more offensive upside than maybe what Tucker had, but, you know, you see the similarities in the game, you know, he is tenacious and, you know, watching a lot of London Knights games for, you know, Sam Dickinson and Sam O'Reilly for the draft this year. Um, that whole team is feisty. They're not afraid to throw their own weight and Cowan is not afraid to mix it up himself. So the fact that he's got that, you know, snot pissing vinegar mentality that, for living preached even after the draft um, shows that, you know, he's basically the type of player that they wanted. You know, they had him circled. They had him penciled as their pick uh, because other teams did as well. Um, The fact that he's possibly may, maybe top 10 or like a little bit high, maybe a, personally a bit of a stretch, but he's definitely worthy of being a first rounder, maybe top 15, top 20, if that is the case. Based on the way that he's played and how consistent he has been, because he's being used in every single situation power play, penalty kill, um, you know, game breaking situations. He's been very clutch at certain moments with game winning goals. He has that motor, he has that drive, and I think that's going to be very big for him if there's if this was redone. But if the Maple Leafs have this type of player in their fold right now. Even if, you know, we talk about like untouchable prospects, how no one really should be untouchable if you're going all in. Easton Cowan is going to be that important piece down the line that could be a difference maker.
2: Alex, I want to read you out his stat line so far for the OHL season. 44 games, 29 goals, 77 points, 62 penalty minutes for a 5'11 guy. I mean, feisty, feisty might not be the right word to uh, describe what this guy can bring on the ice. What are your thoughts on uh, Easton Cowan, and uh, you know what he could bring to this Leafs lineup? Sorry, I was just looking for my jaw on the floor. Oh, read off that <laughs>
0: uh, anyways, glad I could make you guys laugh with that one. <laughs> We're all wondering what the hell is going on. Um, anyways, uh, yeah, big Easton Cowan guy, um, man. If you go back and find the footage of me and Kyle uh, from Hockey Podcast Network, we were reacting to the draft. It was when the draft was going on, and he was bringing on a rep from each pod to kind of react to the pick as it happened. And I looked visibly disappointed when they picked Cowan. And I mean, I had no, I'm going to be totally honest with you. I had no idea who the guy was, which was embarrassing for me in hindsight because I'm not in the same level of as you guys when it comes to prospect knowledge. But I'd still like to think I've got a decent handle on prospects year in and year out. So for them to announce a name I had no idea, like I'd I'd never heard of before, was a little was a little embarrassing for me at the time. And then also just. It, it didn't make me feel good because I'm thinking, and you know, you, you read into more and you read into it more and find out that he was projected in the third round, late second round at the most, and that it was a bit of a reach, but he's made just about every critic he possibly could have had over the past year. He crow. And I just love the motor on the guy. Like you said, Peter, I love, I love his drive. And I love the fact that he, every time someone criticizes him or says, you know, whether it's for his draft position or whether it's, or whether it's for what he did last year or for it, or whether it's what he didn't do in the world junior championships this year, people were complaining about his performance there. I mean, I think that every single time he's done that, he's come back and he's, he's faced some, sorry, I think every time he's faced some criticism, he's come back and he's played stronger than ever. So I love the blue collar mentality that this guy has. I love that he doesn't take things for granted. And he knows that, you know, this, this guy is from Mount Bridges, Ontario, right? You're not talking about a guy. Living in the white collar streets of the GTA, silver spoon fed. Like, this is a guy who had to work and work and work to get to where he is right now. He didn't even play in the OHL, I think, until his draft year. If I'm correct me if I'm wrong, Peter. I think he was playing in junior B the year before junior A would have played you want seven, to call
2: it. seven games yeah. uh, prior to his draft year, yeah. uh, two points in seven games, but he was playing for the Kamoka Kings, yeah GOJHL. So, like, you're, you're looking at a guy who just, he, like, he wasn't even playing in the
0: OHL. You, sometimes in the draft, you have guys who have been in the OHL for two, three years already by the time they get drafted. Cowan was in his first, he was he was, he was he was in the OHL as a rookie when he was drafted. And now we're talking about a guy who the Leafs might honestly, with the amount of cap space that they might not have next year, they might need him in the lineup just at least for the first nine games. I like, I think at this point we're looking at a situation where he gets at least the Frazier Minton treatments and he joins the lineup for nine games or what have you. So yeah, big fan. Um, I love the comparison and you know, if the Leafs sniff anything close to a Darcy Tucker type, I think everyone will be jacked. So
2: you took the words right out of my mouth. I think I, I I don't think there's any question that he doesn't get nine games to start the year next year. Um, I think right now, like what he's doing in the OHL, um, this is where that rule where they can't play in the A if they if they're young enough to play in the OHL um, it comes into play. I think right now he's he's almost too good for the OHL. He's playing in every situation. If you watch what he's doing, he just he reads the game so well he's intelligent. he has an incredible hockey IQ. he's a possession guy. Uh, he lit, like, he literally does everything so well at the OHL level that uh, I think honestly it's a detriment to his development to be playing there right now. Um, I said it before the year, or like what, 10 games into the year that this is a guy that should get a hundred points this year, aside from the games that he missed with the world juniors. Um, there's no reason why he wouldn't have hit that, uh, 77 points. Like I said, and, um, he's going to, he's going to make some noise in the playoffs for the London Knights as well. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't see there's, I don't see there being any way that he doesn't get at least a few, a handful of games to start the year next year. Um Again, I don't know if I'd throw him top 5 in this year's draft, but certainly he'd he'd be making an argument to be up there. Um if he wasn't top 5, he'd be right on the cusp. Um and, and he does play with a little fire. I think you have to at that size. Uh and and like you said, he's a blue collar type of player. He 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 fights for every inch of the ice that he gets and and uh man, if he's anywhere close to Darcy Tucker, it's going to be a fun fun time watching this kid come up. So Imagine yeah. an incident happens when he's mm-hmm. on the ice and someone pokes him from the bench and he just goes after him when he's on the ice. Man, that is, that is definitely going to be something to watch. Or hammers a player like uh, like Tucker did with Kapanen. <sighs> Boys,
0: re- unrelated, unrelated. But Ryan Leslie of Sportsnet just tweeted the eyes emoji with nothing else. So. <laughs> throwing that out there i also did see a tweet uh this is honestly i probably should have read this one first i think the two things could be connected but frank servalli saying that the leafs are making or the leafs sorry the canucks are making significant progress on an Elias peterson extension
2: yeah looking like eight year eight year deal you said i believe right so yeah sorry i didn't mean
0: to to lead you guys on by saying the leafs there by accident that was i was about
2: to say alex where are you going with this the eyes and everything sorry yeah yeah all right boys well Sorry, go
0: ahead. Sorry. I'm just trying to remember. I may I I totally can ask this question off air as well, but Peter, didn't I break a trade on the pod last year? Wasn't it one of the around the deadline? I feel like do you, either of you guys remember that or am I just making shit up right now?
2: No, you probably did. I I feel I like I know uh, we broke the we were breaking the
1: Elias Lindholm deal a few weeks ago. No,
0: this was this was last year yes. though. He's involving the Leafs. Ah, oh, man. It's going to eat away at me now, but I definitely remember yeah, it was like a big. It was a big thing, and I, I remember. Was it I the read McCabe it one? It it may have been the McCabe trade.
1: I want to think it was the McCabe because I remember the I remember the, uh-huh. uh, Ian O'Reilly Riley one happened when I was just about to go to bed. Yeah, Same and then here. it was like, yo, what is going on?
0: I know, because well, the, yeah, the O'Reilly one happened that night, and then I think the following day or a couple days later, the Jake McCabe one happened. And then immediately after that happened, the Pierre Engvall trade happened, the Luke Shen trade happened. like the, yeah. That was a wild afternoon. Everything anyways, was happening, yeah. I just wanted to see if you remembered that off the top of your head. I think it was the Jake McCabe trade, though. so
2: Well, boys, uh, there you go. Another week of uh, Leafs conversation here at Sticks in the Six. A big shout-out to the Hockey Podcast Network and Indie Elhouse for continuing to ride the wave with us um before you do anything make sure you head down to the bottom there check us out on twitter on x twitter whatever you want to call it instagram youtube make sure you hit subscribe follow all of us on uh, twitter as well we've got a lot of content coming out alex is doing wonderful work over at Leafs nation um peter obviously with the draft coming up you've got a lot of uh, prospect content coming out which is a lot of fun to read and My top 96 for February just came out as well for the 2024 NHL draft with a few surprises. Number 10, Peter and I were talking about it. Number 10 is an interesting pick. Mm -hmm. He was out for most of the year with injuries. So it'll be interesting. He could be the steal of the draft in my book. But anyways, gentlemen, as always, thank you to everyone who tunes in weekly. Make sure you, if you're looking for tickets to anything, uh, hit us up on SeatGeek geek use code sticks in the six you'll get twenty dollars off your first purchase as well as in the description of the episode down below you can customize any of your hockey gear with no name hockey uh there's a link there as well to get some discounted uh prices as well so
0: can i sneak in one more shout out before we
2: wrap this up absolutely totally not hockey related
0: whatsoever rest in peace richard lewis yeah I am going to uh, I'm going to binge watch Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's one of the funniest shows going right now. Richard Lewis, one, he, his part in that show is just incredible. I, anyways, I don't know if either of you guys watch Curb or watch yeah. anything else with with him in it, but yeah, that was uh, tough to read about today. It was,
2: yeah. All right, boys. Well, uh, another week in the books. Uh, we'll we'll catch up again next Wednesday for episode 152 of the podcast. Until then, go Leafs, go.